0: Welcome to Marketing
1: Automation Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about how to build a more efficient marketing flytrap. With us today is Marwa Greaves, who is the Director of Marketing and Global Messaging at HubSpot. HubSpot is a leading CRM platform that provides software and support to help businesses that want to grow better. And their platform includes marketing sales services and website management products that start free and scale to meet their customers' needs at any stage of growth. And outside of being a wonderful platform for marketers, they are also a sponsor of the MarTech podcast. Yesterday, for the start of Marketing Automation Week, Marwa and I talked about how to figure out what to automate. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about email marketing automation best practices. All right, here's the second installment of Marketing Automation Week with Marwa Greaves from HubSpot. Marwa, happy Tuesday and welcome back to Marketing Automation Week.
2: Thank you very much. Happy to be back.
1: Excited to continue our conversation. Yesterday, we started off talking about where to start when it comes to marketing automation. And my takeaway from that is you got to do a little research. You don't just go into HubSpot or whatever marketing automation tool you're using and start setting up rules. Take the time to either figure out your internal processes, figure out what are your most repetitive tasks. Talk to your team, figure out where their biggest pain points are, and think about what to automate first that's going to have the biggest bang for the buck, as opposed to just getting in there and creating rules for everything. That said, there are some specific channels that always lend themselves to lots of marketing automation, and we're going to talk about the most obvious candidate here first, email marketing. There are a million ways that you can automate your email marketing efforts. Tell us, where do you advise marketers to start when they're thinking about their email marketing? And is this actually the biggest and most impactful channel for marketing automation?
2: So I think it obviously depends on your business, but I think you start with where is the most volume. So for us at HubSpot, we see the most volume and we see the most need for automation and see the most need for I don't want to call it hands-on help, but the biggest need for some type of assistance when people are getting onboarded onto the product. So that feels simple, right? You will always have people who are either getting, whether you're a B2B or B2C company, getting onboarded onto your products, understanding your website, usually have a lot of volume coming from there and where people are looking for information and where they're most interested in hearing from you and when they'll be the most eager to hear from you. So that's one place that we start is getting people onboarded. I think newsletters can be really powerful and is probably common best practice. The other place that we actually think where people think about email as a channel really as outbound to prospects and customers, we also think about email automation internally as a really great tool in terms of actually trying to replicate some rep behavior. So one of the things that we do, we have basically a trigger-based system, trigger-based email system and it's built out almost like a hierarchy. So somebody can take any one of high intent actions, they can view our pricing page, they can view our product pages, they can abandon a shopping experience, for example. But we know that viewing the pricing page is our highest converting. So even if they take three of those actions, we only send a trigger email for the action that we know that converts the highest. And We also then send a notification to our internal sales rep who oversees that account. So people usually think about email onboarding as an outbound tool. And yes, it is great for that. And there are a ton of use cases I'm sure we'll talk about even more. But I would also push the listeners on this podcast to think about how can I actually use email internally to notify teams, especially your sales teams, of high intent actions, of product releases that will be really important, of things that will just allow them to do their jobs better because it can be just as powerful internally as it is externally.
1: You're making me feel very happy because a lot of the advice that you had are things that we do here with our system, not only to manage our sponsors, to email our guests. First off, it seems like you're taking a very data-driven approach to figuring out what to automate. And I think that you need to think about some of the signals that you get from your website, from your customers, from your existing emails to understand what to prioritize. It sounds like if you're sending the same template or the same email constantly, that's something that's rife for automation. I'll use the example yesterday when someone applies for a speaking spot on the MarTech podcast We have a templated email. We started to automate that process because I just don't want to reply to 12 inbound emails every week for people asking if they can be a guest on the show. I want to automate the process because it's very formulaic. That seemed like a no-brainer. Repetitive tasks, constantly sending the same email. There's nothing different happening with the copy. That's right for automation. You also mentioned the trigger-based emails, which to me really gets into understanding your marketing program. You know, I think of understanding if somebody is going from one stage of the funnel to next. Is this somebody who's just building their first awareness? It's the first time going to the site. We might want to automate an email that says, you know, welcome to the HubSpot universe. Here are some of the guides to help you learn about the platform. Then if they start doing product research, maybe they get a different email. If they get into pricing, all right, now they're more likely to be in buy now mode. They're absolutely in consideration, and that's where you start connecting them to sales. So I'm rambling on a little bit, but the moral of the story is repetitive tasks and data that's going to show you that you're likely to have a high impact when you're sending an email. Where do people go wrong when they're using either templates or triggered emails?
2: A big issue that we saw and fixed at HubSpot was actually not listening to our sales team right off the bat and disrupting some of the sales conversations that they were having. So one of the first things that you have to think about is if you are running or you are a member of a marketing automation team, and that automation is representing a sales team or a servicing team, you need to make sure that you are really in sync with those teams so that everybody understands the type of automation that's going out. I think that's a huge place that people can go wrong is trying to replicate repetitive tasks while having teams that are manually also doing those tasks. They are manually still sending those emails. You are also then trying to automate those emails. And it basically just looks like your internal teams are not in sync with one another. And the customer or prospect gets extremely confused.
1: It's a good way to make your prospects upset. Hey, let me introduce you to somebody in sales. And then somebody in sales has already reached out.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure every marketer, every salesperson listening in has had a horror story like that.
1: Where we get caught is we have automations that send out emails saying, hey, your interview is scheduled for tomorrow. But if we reschedule the interview, sometimes for some reason, our system doesn't change the date. So we send out, hey, your interview is tomorrow when we've already rescheduled the interview. And it always inevitably means our guest is going to reach out and say, hey, you got this wrong. And the problem is I'm sending them and it looks like it's an email from me. So I look like a (laughs) dumbass. Talk to me a little bit about when you're sending an automation and you're doing email Should you be calling it out as an automated email or should you be sending it on behalf of a person? How do you avoid making someone look like they made the mistake as opposed to the system made the mistake? Or does it even matter?
2: It's something that we actually tested quite a bit at HubSpot and found that text-only emails that come from an individual just perform better. So that's the route that we went down. We basically said if our job here is to eventually connect prospects one-on-one with our sales team, then these emails will come from the owner of that account. So there was a lot of complex systems being built internally in order to make sure that that actually happened, that the emails that were going out came from the person that owned that account. But the trick is, and I think that this is really important, is that when that prospect then reaches back out and wants to book time with them, that it is actually then going to that rep's calendar. So we are basically just taking the first step in allowing those one-on-one communications to happen. And if those individuals reply to those emails, it will go back to the sales rep. So it's really that we're just doing the outbound motion. And I think it goes back to something we had talked about in yesterday's episode in that automate until it's delightful. When it stops being delightful, when it starts getting in your sales rep's way or your servicing team's way, that's when you need to know when automation doesn't actually work. And there are going to be elements of every internal and external process that you can automate and then things that you frankly just shouldn't. And you need to really understand where to draw that line.
1: Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. MutineX Growth Ox, the marketing mix modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at MutineX.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. Now, not every business is working with the sales team. If you're running an e-commerce business selling your products or widgets, let's use the example of a uh, lifestyle fashion business. Right, my favorite brand is Miles Apparel. I go into Miles Apparel, I add something to my cart, I get distracted by my kids, I put my phone down, I'm pretty sure I get an email within the next day or two saying, hey, you forgot to buy these items, they're sitting in your cart. That's an email automation, but it's not connecting me to a sales team. So when you are not involving a salesperson, how does that change the email automation system? How does it change the tone of the emails?
2: You know, I actually used to work at TJX before I worked at HubSpot. So I've seen the automation side both from a B2C company and B2B. So when you think about automation, it still needs to have some level of personalization. So whether or not you're working with a sales team or you're working with products, I've gotten abandoned cart emails where it's like, hey, you forgot something in your cart. And I was like, well, if I forgot it, I don't really remember what the product was. I have gotten enough failed abandoned cart emails that don't include an image of the product, a listing of the product suggested other items. I think that there still needs to be some level of personalization in that automation that drives the person back into your website to view that product that drives a communication between your sales team. You still need to make sure that that automation is relevant, that it's timely, that it's on a channel that, you know, that people are receptive to hearing from. And again, increases the engagement back with your company in some way and obviously, those best practices differ between B2C and B2B companies. But if you're just sending automation that's not relevant, it's not going to work.
1: The email that comes two weeks after you abandoned your cart saying, hey, did you still want this product? At that point, the answer is inevitably going to be no, right? There's a time and a place for these triggered emails How do you figure out what the right rules are for your business? Often marketers are setting up rules. Well, if somebody comes to my website four times in a month, then I'm going to send them an email because they've shown some interest. They're coming back to the site and it's just really an arbitrary number that they're picking 4 visits as opposed to three. That must mean they're in the consideration phase. Let's send them product information. How do you actually figure out what is the right trigger and then matching that with the right message?
2: This is where it goes back to understanding data, but also there are kind of two places that you can start with automation. And I talk about this with my team a lot. You can start with high volume or you can start with high intent, or you can do both. You can kind of pick a use case in two areas. So what I mean by this is there's a ton of volume that will be coming to the homepage on your website, hopefully. That doesn't mean that those people all have high intent to buy. They might be people looking for jobs. They might be students there. this is specific to HubSpot. They might be looking to sign up for our academy. So they're not looking to purchase products, but there's a lot of volume there. So if we can capture a small percentage through automation to speak with our sales team, that's great. Or you can start with high intent. And so the likelihood that somebody who's looking at your pricing page is interested in potentially buying is probably pretty high. So I think if you don't have an analyst or a team of analysts to help dive in, that that's probably a good place to start is say, okay, let me figure out what are my goals for this year? Am I really looking to increase engagement to my website? Am I looking to increase sales? And that will kind of direct you to the either high intent or high volume use cases. And then from there, if you want to use something, and this is something that HubSpot did that worked really well, We opened up a kind of an open-ended chat bot on our website. That was an open text field. And we just started looking at what people were asking. So we didn't necessarily have a ton of automation built into our chat bot yet. It really just handed off to a live person. But what we did is we built up those chat logs over time and said, Hey, okay. 50% of the time people are asking about our products, pricing, looking for our academy or looking to explore our blog we can now build those four options into our automation. So a lot of the times, even though your intent is to build this great automation program, you really do have to start by digging into the data. And a lot of the times you kind of have to open it up to an open text field, an open-ended question, look at your email replies. If you're looking to automate email, start by there. It has to be pretty manual. You have to get your hands dirty and just see the questions that people are asking so that you know you're starting in the right place.
1: You wanna start at a starting point that isn't just a guess, and you can either allow your customers to give you data, right? You mentioned the open text field using the bot example, the other thing that I've heard marketers are doing is you look at some of the successful use cases. You mentioned, well, at HubSpot's website, some people are interested in the products, Some are looking for the academy. Some are looking for education, different types of the site. Well, if you take a look at the people that have converted to buy products, who your actual customers are, you can create a profile of what their experience is and say, those people visited X number of pages on average this many time. Let's start putting some automation around that experience. If you visited a product page three times, we're going to call you a product seeker, and now we're going to give you some sort of email as opposed to somebody that's looking at the academy. So you could look at your customers and glean data from their experiences and kind of work backwards from that to figure out where to put some automations, but you're constantly testing and iterating beyond that. You can always start to figure out better ways to tweak your triggers and automations. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Marwa Greaves, the Director of Marketing and Global Messaging at HubSpot for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of Marwa and HubSpot's tips for effective marketing automation, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about bot marketing automation. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Marwa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Marwa Greaves, M-A-R-W-A-G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Or you can visit her company's website, which is HubSpot.com.